And welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. I'm Paul Dottino. He is two-time Super Bowl champion David Deal. And you can reach us at 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Or if you're a little shy and don't want to dial us up on the phone, go to Twitter and go hashtag Giants Chat. And we will try to get to your questions and your comments. We'll be here for the next hour, as we always are, Monday through Friday, Eastern Time, to talk Giants football. The Giants, by the way, have a game on Thursday. They open their preseason at home against the Cleveland Browns. And, David, uh, this is where now we're in the middle of training camp and players start itching to play somebody else. I I think you're itching to watch somebody else (laughs) because I got a text about this show at 7 this morning. You were so excited. Uh, No, you really are. I mean, at, at this point during the training camp, you know, you've had your physical practices, you've had your full padded ones, and you've had the experience of maybe getting something wrong or having a coach scream mm. at you while you're in the huddle for some of the younger players trying to get them on board. So, number one, you're ready to go out there and just roll out and play football and do what you love to do. But also for a lot of these younger players, it's their time to highlight who they are as football players without having somebody right there trying to assist them, trying to guide them, and see where this football team is in development of both in new offense and defense. Now, the Giants uh, today gave us Pat Shermer, Eli Manning, uh, uh, Saquon Barkley, as well as Mike Shula and James Betcher at the press briefings. We just got done with those a short time ago. And, of course, Coach Shermer was asked, since this is the beginning of preseason opener week, how much the guys are going to play. He didn't want to discuss it today. He said he'll get to it later in the week with us. But he did say one thing, David. He did want to see all the guys on the roster to give them a fair evaluation because he said the games obviously will mean a great deal in terms of those individual grades. And so I get the impression that you may not see any healthy scratches outside of some veterans who maybe need a little bit of time off. And people may hear that and say, oh, well, that's no big deal. It is a big deal because usually a lot of NFL teams at this time They're going to have a pitch count for their starters, but they pretty much know who they want to have on their roster, and maybe there's 11 or 12 people fighting for seven spots. But I love the fact that they're staying true to what they said. This is a brand-new year. Everybody's getting a fresh start. Everybody is going to get evaluated. And when you're able to do this and you're able to digest everybody on your roster and give them reps – It's just letting people compete more and harder to earn their spot on the 53-man roster, but it's giving people an opportunity to showcase who they are as a football player under the lights. It may be not your thing to practice. I've had guys who went out and practiced, and it wasn't just assignments. They weren't getting wrong. I'm not saying that they were having MAs or anything like that, but there is just something in some players that's ingrained that when those lights get on and it's a game, Something snaps in them different, and they perform differently. So, you know, you want to see that out of the players, but like we all want to see, we want a competitive football team that's going to go out there and earn the right to be on that 53-man roster, and there's no guarantees, and that's why I love what he's doing. You know, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say Plexico Burris was not a good practice player, no. but you <laughs> wanted him on game day, don't yeah. you? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, he was one of those players that, you know, in practice he would go and do it, and he would run through and, and do his stuff, but – you saw a completely different football player out right. there on Sundays going physicalness, attacking people, getting downhill, winning those jump balls. So there is a difference. We heard the same thing about a lot of players. You would hear things about, you know, maybe Bo Jackson wasn't the biggest practicer in the world. You've heard that about certain players. But having said all of that, if you are going to be one of those players that isn't a practice guy, when those lights come on, you better be an immediate starter. That is for sure. 
Yeah, so the Giants uh, have to figure those things out, how many snaps everybody's going to get. Saquon Barkley, of course, said he wants to play, looking forward to playing his first professional game. Uh, Feels he's ready to do so, but again, would not discuss how much he thought he might play, other than he wants to make the most out of everyone. Well, he really doesn't know. He he may be number two, but he's still a rookie, and they're not giving him (laughs) any information, so he doesn't know how much he's playing yet. Uh, I think interesting to note a couple of things about the competition on the roster before we get to your phone calls. Eli Manning said he thinks the roster uh, on the depth chart at wide receiver after the starters has been a really good one when you start talking about who's going to be three, four, and five, and these games are going to tell a big story there. It's funny that you said that because out of all the groups outside of number two being, I think, the defensive back group in regards to competition and numbers and players – That wide receiver core is working extremely hard. They're fighting. You can see them competing. You can see them running, finishing each and every play, each and every catch. You can see them lifting each other up, and that is going to be a big question mark. Who's going to fight to be that third wide receiver, that fourth wide receiver? And that's something that this team needs is that competition like we talked about earlier because, you know, think about what we were talking about last year, the expectations, all the wide receivers are going to be there. It didn't work out that way. No. So you have to be prepared and learn from those uh, things that take place in the past. And I think that's where we're seeing this wide receiver group compete the way that they are. We think that Corey Latimer might have a leg up. Remember, uh, his coach over uh, from the Broncos is over here now. Tyke yep. uh, is with the Giants now. And we think he's going to have a leg up as the three, but that's not in stone. And after that, look, every play, it seems as though there's one or two receivers who makes a play. And then the next day, it's a different one or two receivers. Receivers. I haven't seen anybody, to my eyes, David, who has really grabbed that extra extra juice to, to say they're the guy. No, I, I haven't either, and I think that's something that the games will bring out yeah. that we'll be able to see when they're performing up against a different defense, up against one-on-ones, up against an opposing corner. But the thing that I also love to see out of this wide receiver group, and because of what their coach is pressing – blocking at the point of attack on the outside. Latimer does that. And that's something that Latimer does, and that's something that they're stressing each and every day to the wide receivers, that little extra push, that little extra block can make the difference of a 20-yard game or a touchdown. Now, on the other side, defensive coordinator James Betcher, uh, very interesting. He flat out said the free safety spot, we know the four guys who are competing. Yep. There's Mike Thomas. There's uh, Darian Thompson. There's Booby Miles, also known as Curtis <laughs> Curtis Riley. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I, I I still can't get used to the fact that that's one person. I know. It's hilarious. So. I mean, does that make me a bad guy? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And then uh, we got Andrew Adams. And Andrew Adams, of course, who was a strong safety at one point, but has been working out at free safety uh, for them now. Uh he said Betcher did. It's an even competition. No one has stepped up and taken the job, so that will continue to be a competition into the preseason games. He also said that the nickel corner yeah. is a very, very wide-open competition, and we know that William Gay had the first shot at it during the offseason, but since then, everybody's been getting a shot at it. And we also know that behind the two starting corners, Apple and Jenkins – Even the third guy on the outside is a wide-open competition. And that could be a a blessing or it could be a curse at the same time because Mm -hmm. nobody has stepped up to take over and earn that spot. And we all know how important that nickel corner position is, that it is with all the different dimensions and different wide receiver uh, setups and formations that they do, maybe bringing the one inside to line up at the two position so he has more of a free release. Uh, But it's going to be very vital. But also we're talking about – 
that opposite safety landing Collins has got to be addressed and it has to be figured out by at least the second preseason game so they get acclimated together because we know that this is an aggressive style defense. We know that Landon Collins can play his best and has played his best football when he can attack and play downhill. Now it's making sure that there's somebody next to him that can really step up and be able to deliver it and get back in coverage if they're going to bring him in on blitz. Okay, so let's go to your phone calls at 201-939-4513. We have set the table. We'll be here till 2 o'clock New York time. Dan from Delaware, you are on line two, and you're first up on the show. Hello. Hey, guys. How are you? Hi. Great. How are you, Dan? Good. Good talk to you, Dave. Um, I had one kind of Giants-centric question and then just a general NFL question. Um, for the Giants, you guys touched on a lot of, like, the training camp uh, battles and things like that. I guess um, I want to ask, because we're uh, up on Thursday against the Browns, and I guess just in, based on history, I wouldn't expect to see too many of, like, our star guys playing, like, the Beckhams and the Barclays and stuff like that too, too much. But um, – Given the uh, – and this is good that Dave's on the line, actually, for this. Given that we have, like, so many changes on the offensive line um, this year, would you expect to see the offensive line playing um, even in the first preseason game, like, kind of deep in, into the game or more than just the, the normal, what we would kind of expect to see out of a lot of these starters? I think that they're definitely going to get more reps. I, I wouldn't say that in the first game or the second game they're going to go all the way until the second half. Usually you save that for the third game. But in these first two games, it's going to be vital that they get out there and get live action game reps together to build that continuity, to continue with that communication. Because let's face it, this is a completely different group than last year. Mm -hmm. So they need to build those reps. And the only way that you can do it is through live action. So they're definitely going to have to play more than I would say usual in these first first two games. Not only that, but like I said, the whole offense about bringing in an entire new system in regards to the terminology, in regards right. to the playing next to a certain somebody. And it's not just about going out there and playing. There's more to it. And I understand that you want to be careful during the preseason, but at the same time, those reps are so valuable to not only build confidence in yourself, but in your group together so that you leave it all on there and you just keep building from that. Dan, usually in the first preseason game, the starters will go anywhere between 12 to 15 snaps or maybe two possessions. Now, David, let me ask you this before we get to Dan's other comment. If I said to you 25 to 30 snaps for that starting offensive line, do you think I'm out of line? Uh, Not necessarily. I think it all based is based upon how you're playing in the game as well and how things are going. Granted, there's always a pitch count at some point for everybody sure. at each group, but I, I wouldn't be against putting them in there for 25 to 30 reps. Not only are you helping them build their continuity together, but at some point the first team is going to have to get some reps with Davis Webb as well. Sure. So you're going to have to do that early on because, like I said, you know third preseason game, that's when you're really trying to roll out your last – full game preparation before ending the last regular preseason game and getting into the regular season. All right, go ahead, and, uh, Dan. You had another thought. Uh, yep, and then real quick, just on, on to, to add on that, like the especially at center and right tackle, because we don't really have set starter there yet, so they're still – that's open to my knowledge, right? Like well, those two yep. positions well, are open. The so center spot is guys. open. Um, uh, Jalapio and Jones are fighting at center, and we've been told by Coach Shermer he thinks that's a great competition. It really is. But the right tackle spot, right now, Eric Flowers is taking all the first-team reps. So he's going to get the first chance to hold that job down. Yeah, 
That's the way uh, it looks okay. right now. Just yep. from a fan perspective, just what I read it from camps, it just seems like they're giving a lot of guys. Like I read the other day, they put John Jerry at right tackle just to tr- uh, try thirteen. Him out. So yeah, just thirteen. From a fan perspective, it tells me that they're maybe not settled on that. No, no, no. They put him out there with third team. That's really not very relevant other than to show his versatility. Yeah, number one, you want to show versatility, but two, you want to get these guys reps right now. We talked about everybody being evaluated on the roster. Versatility is the biggest thing as an offensive lineman, especially if you're not going to be that starter. You better be able to play numerous positions, and that's what they're trying to work right now through training camp. Thank you, Dan. Wait, 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 hey, I have my uh, question real quick. My one. Uh, you, you're, you turned two into three now, Dan? Come on, man. <laughs> I have two, I have two. Go ahead. What do you got? Piggybacking off the first one. I, I just qu- quickly, can you explain to me the it better that this this helmet uh, rule? Because I watched the Hall of Fame game on Thursday night, and it was brutal to watch. I mean, it was pretty brutal to watch. And can you just better explain to me, like, just how this helmet rule works and how it's supposed to be officiated? Because that was. All right, that Dan. Uh, I'll see what I can do in a thumbnail. Thank you for the call. That one's quick. Right. I mean, basically, yeah, I, it's anything leading with the crown or top of your helmet before hitting with your face mask or a part of your body. I mean, that's basically the way that they're doing it. The NFL officials were with the Giants for the last three days of practice last week, and they were going over everything with the coaching staff and the players as well. They showed them some video. Yep. They also officiated the practices as if they would be real games. Exactly, yeah. Then they had a session with us as the media, and we sat with them for about a half hour and we went over all this stuff the only thing I want to say to you is this I asked one of the officials about if a guy goes in with his head and what we usually think is spearing Mm -hmm. and then he winds up missing with his head and hitting with his shoulder pad what are you guys going to do with that and he said no that's going to be a flag now because if he went down with his head it doesn't matter if he hit or not the intent was that he wanted to hit him with the crown of the head we're going to get him with a penalty wow that's the that's the side of it that that really kind of scares me about it because well his intent was to hit him with his head but he didn't make contact with his helmet that's uh-huh. where that's where this first year this rule is really going to be tested with that because because we're talking about the intent you know that may have been the intent but that wasn't the action that took the place. official said when we see him yep. lower the head we're automatically going to be going for it and this is something believe me this is something that they've been talking about and discussing for a long period of time and you understand why. Nobody wants to see anything like what happened to Ryan Shazier last no. year. No. I mean, that was devastating to everybody. And, and that's something that when you look at this and you may say, hey, this is a bad rule, look back at that and tell me if this is right. a bad rule. And by the way, God bless him for being oh, able to, to get out on that field true, the other day and walk across. True inspiration to everybody. Oh, man. I We can't wish him nothing but the best for sure. We go to line one. Angelo Paisan, you want to talk about the O-line? <laughs> Yeah, uh, how you doing, guys? Uh, Hi. Just real quick, I just wanted to uh, address uh, the old line situation. I know it's like all different now and uh, this year and everything, but I'm just hoping that even if it's decent and we just get a respectable run game, I think they could do uh, real big things for this team. But uh, you know, I, I from listening to everything at training camp, uh, I hear a lot of things with Saquon Barkley splitting out wide and doing things as a receiver and beating linebackers and safeties. How is he looking as just between the tackles? Is he is he are they creating holes for him? Is he bursting through? I don't, I never see or hear enough of that. I want to make sure, like you know, if, you know, if it's all uh, coming together uh, in training camp as far as running the ball instead of him as a receiver. Angelo, for your first part of that, great question. When you're talking about the offensive line building that continuity and playing together. 
this is something that we're excited about because we haven't been talking about competition on the offensive line for a couple years now. No. So that competition is growing. And the thing that I love about Saquon Barkley and what this offense is doing is that they're learning it all together at the same time. They're building that camaraderie. Saquon's learning how double teams fit, the meshes that they're having. And and the fact that this offensive line and Saquon are getting numerous reps, it it is exciting to watch, and they've been doing great things. Granted, you're going to hear in the media, oh, he caught it out wide, he beat this, because that's what people want to hear. They want (laughs) to hear fantasy numbers. They don't want to hear, well, he took it inside, he got a three, four-yard gain. But it is, it's also easier for us to see that exactly, in practice, but, too. But it, it's, it's very exciting to see what they're doing. And you're right. If you get a run game going, it makes everybody's job easier because of the amount of play action that you can have. Instead of being sitting back in your three- or five-step drop, you can jump set people. You can be the aggressor. And the only way that you're allowed to do that is by having a successful run game. Angela, thank I, you I so think, much. Go ahead. I think, wait, just before that, because uh, also going back to that, getting a respectable run game, I feel like could uh, elevate not only just Eli's performance, but his also could uh, enlong in his career. Because when you compare him to well, guys like Roethlisberger, Rivers, Breeze, <laughs> what is the difference between those guys and Eli? They have great run game. And Eli hasn't had a great run game since probably when David's playing, even before that. You know, So if they could get a good run game, you won't be talking about Eli not having to have it anymore and just Eli compared to him as Breeze and Roethlisberger because nobody talks about those guys getting old. Meanwhile, they're the same age, if not older. Angelo, so thank you so much for calling. We appreciate it. Absolutely. David, I, I've heard ever since way back when when I started doing this job that offensive linemen would much rather block for the run. Of course. Because you guys just get off and smash people. That the pass protection stuff is not, not really something you enjoy as much. Because it lets you set the tempo and the pace of the football game. It allows you to be the one attacking. It allows you to be the one that's hitting those players, especially when you're a tackle those defensive ends were only 245, 250. That's the way that you're able to break them down in the third and fourth quarter and take something off of that pass rush. So it, play action makes everybody better. And, and for me to sit here, for somebody who played with Eli Manning for 11 seasons, he is phenomenal in play action because when he can get up to the line of scrimmage and you have to get that safety extra down in the box, the fact that he can have pre-snap recognition and change the play the way that he always has, that's one of his strengths of his game. Besides the physicality, and I don't think I've ever asked you this before, so please uh, don't be too caught off guard. No, ask me anything. Um, Is it actually easier for the offensive linemen to uh, gel with their combo blocks for the run game? Or are combo box, combo blocks, whether it's the pass game or the run game, it really doesn't make a difference. They still have to gel in the same way. I think that it makes more of an emphasis in the run game, making sure you get, like we were talking about now during the preseason, getting those live reps because the fits that you get on it, it's all about the footwork. And every time that you take a step, whether it's a double team or if you're just reach blocking, that footwork has to be precise. So I think when you're talking about the run game, it is easier for a group to mesh together because those are the things you're working on individually in individual practices and those individual periods just on your techniques and your fundamentals. In the passing game, sometimes whether you are a guard or a tackle, you're on an island. You're by yourself out there. <laughs> yes, and, that's, indeed. and you're not relying, not always. I mean, at times you are maybe relying on possibly a slide or a protection or whatever, but you're not relying on the other person to help you get your job done. You're thinking – solely what you have to do and making sure that you win that one-on-one yourself because we know when you're in those positions, 
you either win the battle or you lose the battle. There's no in-between. Good news. Last year when Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings, they ran the ball the second most times yep. in the National Football League. So be prepared to get the ground game going. Line four has Clinton from Tennessee. You're next on the program. Hey, how you doing, Dan? Hi. This, uh, first time call. I got a couple questions on the offense and uh, defense. My first question on uh, defense is, do you think they're going to go and get DRC and bring him back? Well, there are reports today online that DRC is in Seattle visiting with yeah, the I Seahawks. Saw that this morning. Uh, I would suspect, uh, with the Giants having literally only nickels and dimes left under the salary cap, my hunch is a guy of that experience and that resume probably would not be uh, too excited to come in for the numbers that they have remaining. No, I think that's something that they tried working out before all this stuff happened and it didn't end up happening. And I read that same report that apparently right now he's uh, supposed to be in Seattle, going to Seattle uh, to interview with them. And you know for him, if he's going to do anything, he's going to look for something that's either a one-year or a longer-term deal because he doesn't want to bounce around. Otherwise, he would have resigned that contract here to stay. Yeah. Okay, and my uh, second question for offense, I know I read uh, Kevin Benjamin, he was talking about he wouldn't mind playing for Eli. You think we'll sign him, and is they going to pay Odell his contract? Who I, I couldn't hear I who. Did, uh, yeah, who, who which, did you say wants to play with Eli? Uh, Kevin uh, Benjamin from the Panthers. Oh, he's on. Uh-huh. you mean on the Bills, Kelvin Benjamin. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I don't see that happening anytime no. soon. No, no I, I, I don't see that either. And as far as Odell Beckham Jr. is concerned, he expressed confidence that something will get done. And I know the Giants have also expressed a lot of optimism as well. Just let, let it play out, okay? The season's a month away. Let's I'm, not freak out today. Because there's going to be each and every day, there's going to be an article about this. Oh, they, they, they stalled. The next day it's going to be like it. We hear that they're ramping back up. It's never going to end. So you just sit back and watch and, and wait for it to officially happen. That's the only thing you can do. Just remember, technically, if you're not on the phone 24-7 every minute of every day, then talks have actually stalled. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Thanks for the call. Let's go back to the phone lines. Number three has Jason from Garden City waiting. Hello. Hey, guys. How's it going today? Great. Awesome. So let me ask you, um, obviously, Eli, you know, he's 15 years in. Do we, do we have his replacement? Uh, what do you guys think of Laletta? Is Webb the real deal, or is, uh, is Tani taking his place, or are we drafting a quarterback in a couple of years? I think that's the exciting thing that we're all waiting to watch. Obviously, we've <laughs> seen pre- – no, I mean, honestly, I think that's something that we've been waiting to hopefully see since the end of last season. Now we had to wait until this year. That's why I think early on, if you, you were hearing me talk, I think that the offensive line in the first two games are going to play a little bit more so they can give Davis Webb that protection so he's not with the second unit O-line so that they can truly see what he's made up going up against starters with a starting offensive line. I think that's the only true way to see where he is at and where he will develop to see who's at number two. And and for Laletta, I I think that he's made positive steps moving in the right direction. You know, some of the things with his timing and his accuracy, when you're learning a new offense like this, it's going to take a little bit of time. But I'll tell you what, it's exciting to see the way that they're really rallying around one another. And, and we know we talked about the mentorship and, you know, all this stuff. You see Eli every day talking to those guys, helping them out. He's a so natural he's mentor. He's a natural leader and a mentor. Yeah. And by the way, just so you know, and, and if you haven't watched the show before, yeah, I'm the biggest Davis Webb fan in the world. So, yeah. yeah, I think he's the next guy. But let me say this. Coach Shermer the other day was asked about the quarterbacks. He did say he thinks that Eli Manning and Davis Webb have been terrific throughout the entire offseason. And then today, offensive coordinator Mike Shula 
specifically was asked about the quarterbacks, and he said that uh, Eli's been terrific. He's in great physical condition. They love what he's been able to do, picking up the playbook. He talked about Webb saying that Davis has also been terrific, and he said Loretta has been a pro. And he's, and he's very calm, yep. very studious. Um, we know about the arm strength not being what the other guys can throw. However, as Shula said, you can make up for that with the intangibles. Yeah. You have to anticipate better. Yep. Make sure your accuracy is on the mark. There are ways for Loletta to be effective, but I'm not going to hide this. He clearly, in my mind, even though they haven't announced it, is the number three. Yeah. And Davis Webb, I, I see nothing but great things for him, but that's just me. Agreed. Yeah, no, definitely feel the same way. Where do you, where do you guys uh, see Jonathan Stewart fitting into this team? I think I see him fitting in well. Number one, they brought him in to be a veteran in that running back room, and I'll tell you the times I've talked to Saquon, how much he's learned just by sitting mm-hmm. down, watching film, evaluating with a ten-year vet like Jonathan Stewart. Not to mention. It's nice to have that added bonus. I know that we talked about last season when you looked at the Carolina Panthers, their running game wasn't what it was in the past. But I'll tell you this, I love the fact that they brought him in to be a smash-mouth downhill player. You look at him and you talk to him, this is probably the healthiest he's been in a very long Mm -hmm. time. So to bring in a big punishing back that will continue to help develop Saquon, what more can you really ask for? You know, even though Brandon Jacobs was only with the Giants for a year before, he became Ahmad Bradshaw's big brother by the time Ahmad got here. And that's a really good thing to have. No question. It's great to have a veteran leader who's played and had that game experience but understands what it takes to be a pro, how to break Mm -hmm. down film, what you're looking for, how to break down different things when it comes to your time management making sure you take care of your body off of the field. And those are all great things, and that's something that Jonathan Stewart has immediately brought to Saquon Barkley. I misspoke. Uh, Jacobs was in his third year when Bradshaw was a rookie. But the point being, year, yep. point being, he was an older guy. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Awesome. Looking forward to an awesome season. Hopefully see you guys out of training camp tomorrow for the last day. Thank okay, you, you very got much. It. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Hold by up. the way, tomorrow the public is invited once again. Uh, yeah. If you have your tickets to come to a training camp practice. I don't know if it's going to be full pads or not. Coach didn't say. Don't today's will be. Yeah, today's full pads. Don't know about tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow I'll have my daughter Addison and her five little best friends from cheer out there. Cool. So it's exciting to be able to always bring them to camp. I believe Chris Snee will be signing autographs. Yep, Snee will be there tomorrow. It's exciting. Somebody else, too, and I forget. But in any event, let's go back to the lines. Uh, 201-939-4513. Don from Texas is on line, too. Hello. Hey, how you doing, B-Dot? Hi, David. Hi. How's it going, Dad? All right. I'm doing well. I'm kind of on my lunch break. I'm looking at Cowboy Stadium right now. I feel like throwing up. Don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't worry. I've, got, I've had nothing but tremendous memories inside that stadium. That's good. We're good. Just be careful uh, of what you awesome. eat, okay? <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, P-Dot. David, I got two questions and two comments, and I'll take it off the air. First, my two comments, one, I am – a big believer in actually footwork in the players and all of that stuff. I feel there's two positions, one position that really could hurt us, and it's right tackle. I just wanted to know you on this question first. Is Zach Wheeler, is Wheeler, Chad Wheeler, Chad Wheeler pushing, yep. yeah, Chad Wheeler, is he pushing Eric Flowers a little bit on that side? My second question is Eli Manning and his footwork. I know not many people pay attention to this, but I'm a subtlety on the footwork. When you look at Eli over the past couple of years in the West Coast with McAdoo, his left foot was in front, and he looked so stiff. He didn't look so natural. Now I'm watching him. His right foot is back in front. Is this more of a comfort with uh, Shermer letting him be what he wants? 
And my comment is, Dot and anybody else from Big Blue Kickoff get a chance, come see me on the 50-yard line at the Texans game. You'll, you can't miss this. It's mom, dad, son one, son two t-shirts right at the 50-yard line. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. Anytime. Well, I'll take my answer off the air. Thanks, okay, Tony. let's address Eli's footwork and go in reverse order. You know what? I think you, when you're talking about any position, footwork is everything. Offensive line, running back, wide receivers in their breaks. But you're right, the quarterback position. And I think the thing that you really see uh, by having a veteran quarterback like Eli Manning, the thing that, that you really hear Coach Shermer discuss with him and talk about him, whatever decision you make and what we decide here, we're going to do it and we're going to be consistent with it. And I think when you watch Eli with his dropbacks and backed in, into this system, this is where he's thrived. Opposite foot changing, you know, that's something that's not easy when you've been doing the same thing and muscle memory your entire life over and over and over again. He was able to adapt, but I think this footwork, the way that he's stepping, the way that he's back into the pocket and putting into his three, five, and seven-step drops, this plays better to his his potential and his strength as a quarterback. Now, let me make something clear. I'm not going to accuse Eli of being Fred Astaire, okay? I'm not going to do that because he's not, but. Every coach that has ever had him, and I'm talking about whether it was Mike Sullivan, Kevin Gilbride, head coaches, Tom Coughlin, and and obviously uh, Pat Shermer. Mike Shula just talked about this today. The belief has always been from all of these football guys that Eli has enough pocket presence and enough sidestep presence within the pocket to buy himself that extra half a second to make the play happen. He doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers and run 10 yards laterally or horizontally to make a play work. Because that's not his game. That's not his strength. And I'll tell you what, to to continue to follow up on that, you know, you may sit here and be like, oh, well, whatever. During the offseason when we would do the, the ladder drills and stuff during the conditioning part, Eli was right in there doing everything, and you could see that he has good footwork, and he focuses on it each and every time he's out on the field and in the practice uh, field, and he brings that to the game. So, yeah, he may not be the Aaron Rodgers, but you know that that's not Aaron Rodgers. But what he does is he can anticipate and be in timing with throws, but his pocket presence, to step up, move back, do what he needs to do, that's something that he's gotten so much better at, and it's it's not a good thing he's gotten better at it, but he has. <laughs> All right, what about uh, the other comment or question that the caller had? He wanted to know about Wheeler and his ability to maybe push it right tackle. I, I, that's one thing is that this is another position that is going to be through competition. I think right now Eric Flowers has the upper hand, but they're bringing in Chad Wheeler. He's getting reps there. And I think it's all based upon the way that Eric Flowers plays. And I think that's something that we're all waiting to see. You know, I thought that, you know, the way that he prepared, the way that he practiced last year, he was going to have a brighter year. He knows that this is his chance. This is his opportunity to prove the critics and everybody wrong. And I think we're all waiting to see what he can turn his career into by staying true to his technique and being consistent. That's the one thing as an offensive lineman you have to be, and it's not just being out on the field and knowing your assignment. It's being consistent with your technique, playing and play out, and not letting the defensive end dictate the way that you play. All right, David, a couple of Twitter remarks before we go back to the phones. Peter Turner wants to know, do you think Saquon Barkley starts on Thursday at running back? How many snaps for the starters? Now, we've already discussed this to some degree, but here's the thing that I want to ask you, and we've talked about this, in fact, on the last week's MSG show. 
we know the offensive line needs time to gel, and yeah. they need these snaps. They need reps. How many reps does Barkley need with that line to start building an understanding and an instinctiveness to know where those blocks are going to be? I think that's something that you build now during practice as well, just watching the fits of the double team. And that goes back to what I was saying, the fact that they're learning the offense together. Mm -hmm. They really can pace things out, and they can be patient in the development. So I, I think that plays a factor into it. But in order for that to grow, I, I don't think it's where he has to have 25, 30 reps to start in the first game. I think it's something that you can continue to build. And to be honest with you, as much as people may think I'm crazy, I wouldn't mind starting Jonathan Stewart in this game. Let him roll out. Let him just get the first couple reps, see the way that the defense is playing, and then roll in Saquon. I tell you, there'll be people screaming out there who want to see Barkley play we a ton of reps. We all want to see, of course. And we then all there'll be others who'll it. say, no, 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 don't get him hurt, don't get him hurt. I'll be honest. I I'm going to give you my number. If he touches the ball five or six times, that's okay for me. I don't think he needs to get many more than that. Uh, like I said, right? it's not. it doesn't have to be 25, 30 reps. Exactly. But you want to get him in situational football. You want to have him in there on a first and second down. You want to have him in there on a third and long or a short yardage play because you want to build that continuity and that chemistry but also you want to build that confidence in your offensive line and in your group as, as a whole. You're going to like this one. Let's hear it. Dom DeFalco says, David deals so much love for you. That said, how do you and Paul feel about the relatively slow start to the offense? Nice to see the defense excelling but hope it's more of a testament that our group versus the lack of production on the offensive line thoughts. I love Dom buttering us up and getting us nice and going and then dropping the question. Thanks, Dom. Yeah, and neg negative it. Nelly there. <laughs> That's like, oh, the you're, back a, half of the question. You're, you're a great guy, but there's the, always the but. I'm just joking. Let me run something by you. And, again, feel free to disagree with okay. me because you and I are but pals. You can disagree with me. Um I was always told that during the early stages of training camp, the defensive players always have the advantage always. because they understand and know what's coming, and there's no, no surprise element for the most part. The snap counts, everything that's coming at them, they understand it. I've told that to fans before. I don't know that some fans want to believe me because when the offense starts slow, they don't get the fact that the defense has the edge. Am I right or wrong? Always on that one. To start early on in, in camp and in training camp, it's easier to play downhill and be the aggressor mm -hmm. and attack the football than it is the opposite. So I think that's something that always takes place is that, you know, early on you're going to get the defense hooting and hollering and going crazy because they're in a different type of mindset that it's attack, 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 where offensively you're on the attack, but it's more of a chess game starting out. And there's so, much more, too. And so much more communication and thinking before that happens. So I think early on that, that definitely does take place. But I think the fact that the noise and the, the way that the defense jumps around, I think it amps it up. But like I said, I'm not concerned with the way that the offense is going. I've watched, we've watched practices, and they just keep building up to what they're putting into a game plan. When we watch this one up against Cleveland, it's going to be a vanilla game plan. You know the first one is always simple. It's always basic. It's always sure. easy. But with that said – you have to do the basic and simple things right and do it perfectly because this is the way that you continue to build your foundation to add in a different formation or a different package is being able to do this confidently to add more on top of it. Real quick, I want to just add one little nugget here about the defense. I had a conversation with James Betcher, the defensive coordinator, the other day, and I said, you know, Coach, Every single time one of your guys on the field makes a play, and it doesn't matter if it's the third or fourth string guys, 
your entire defense on the sideline starts hooting and hollering yeah, and yeah. running down that's the field. That's what I mean. That's what I was right? going with, yeah. And, and he said to me, well, that's the Cardinals' way. That's the way we did it in Arizona because I want to stress to my unit, we made the play. Yeah. Not one guy, not you, not him. We made the play. So every time at practice, that's what he wants. Hooting and hollering from the entire defensive unit, from starters all the way to the back of the depth chart. Enthusiasm is contagious. And what is enthusiasm? It breeds confidence. It breeds confidence in your group and what you're doing individually. But what does it do? When you have that energy, what do you all? They swarm to the football. They run. You see seven, eight guys to the ball. And that's something that when we watched film as an offensive line, you paid attention and you watched for on the defense because let's say it's your wide receiver. Let's say it's your running back. We always used to say, go get those guys out of the pile. Well, what do you mean get them out of the pile? The last thing that you want one of your offensive players to see consistently is going to get up and seeing seven or eight of the other colors above them jumping around and showing that energy because all of a sudden it starts to wear on you. And what's the next thing that happened? The receiver gets up or may push somebody. You get a flag, you get penalties, and it's all based on that enthusiasm. And you're right. You see it by the defense out there each and every day. All right, back to the phones. Line one, Bobby from D.C. You're next on the show. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Wow, David Bill, first time you calling you on, on set. I appreciate you definitely for those bowls, for those rings. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bobby. Want, what can we do for you, my man? I want to talk strategy. You know, you mentioned about the chess match, and I, I believe that's exactly what the NFL is. But I disagree a little bit on the defense always have the advantage. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just one of those guys that believe that the, the team itself is like a chess match. And for a long time, the NFL has not focused on coach versus coach. You know, they changed it to quarterback versus quarterback, you know, stat purposes, stat-wise. But the, the, the game's really coach versus coach. And and normally, the two teams are not equal. You may have one one coach, just as chess talk, with, with three queens on the board. He should not lose this game. Oh, we're, know, Bobby, but, Bobby, we were just talking about training camp. We weren't talking about during a regular season right. game. We were just talking about the start of a mini camp or mm-hmm. training camp practices. Right. That when those start, the defense during those first couple practices have an edge. It wasn't during okay. a regular season game we weren't talking about. Totally there, different animal. You better not slow have a slow start <laughs> as an offense in a regular season game and accept it. We're just talking about in the beginning of once training camp and practices start. Okay, okay, well, okay, that, that was true then. I do not definitely yeah, agree. Yeah, no worries. That's okay. No, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you called. Strategies, the Giants are in the position right now um, to mix it up. And I believe with, you know, Schumer, and, and, and they're definitely going to do it right. I, I truly believe they're going to do it right. And the key, of course, in this whole thing is Eli. We have a veteran quarterback. He continues to play. He can read defenses. And he should have more defenses get second guessing. You know, and I just want to go through. I have to play a guy in chess. And every game, he would take his knife at the horse. And he would kill me. He would demolish my whole game. And so what I did when I played him, within three moves, I'm attacking his knights. I'm taking them off the, off the board. So if you have a, a edge edge rushers, dump it off Saquon Barkley. I mean, it's going to be a great season. I, I'm just, I just can't wait. And I, and I know we're going to have a good season. No more that 3-13 and 13 crap. So, appreciate you taking my call. <laughs> and the season going to go just like that. See you guys in the playoffs. Thanks, Bobby. Thank great. you, Bobby. 
He's calling us from D.C., which is Redskins country. Yeah, it's all right. We, we, <laughs> Giants take over every place, so he can make a Giants country. Well, no. I hope he's got a lot to say this year uh, to all the neighbors that he's got down there in that area. Pete, uh, you're from Staten Island. You're on line four, and you're next on the show. Hello. Uh, good afternoon, guys. How are you? Hi. Awesome, Pete. How are you, my man? Good. Welcome back, Dave. Good to hear your voice. Thank you, buddy. What can we help you with? Well, I wanted to ask you um, a couple of things. One, um, Dave, first off, uh, being a former offensive lineman uh, and a great one, um, from what you saw with Eric last year, Flowers, right? Um, was it more of a uh, footwork issue, and does the footwork affect his hand issue? Because I know a lot of times his hands were, were down as opposed to up, and I, I'm sure that that affects your play. I don't know if it's all a combination of one thing because you're trying to concentrate on your footwork and then your hands get out of whack and, and everything goes. That's a great um, good I'll, I'll answer it right now. I'll, I'll answer that right now because that's actually a great question, Pete. Number one, as an offensive lineman in pass protection, what do you have to be? You have to be a boxer. You can't be a gunslinger. You have to have your hands up, ready to punch, ready to redirect, and give those counter punches. Anytime you're a gunslinger and you go to shoot from the hip, what are you exposing? Your entire chest, and you're late with your hands. But also, when you don't have your hands up as a boxer, what can't you do? You can't tie your hands and your feet together. Think as a boxer, you go to throw a punch. You pivot that foot. You have them underneath you. You have that balance. When you don't have your hands and your feet tied together, your balance is out of whack, and you can't punch and redirect the defensive end the way that you want to. And that's something that he doesn't do consistently that he must improve if he expects to have the type of season that he wants this year, is making sure he has his hands up, he's able to punch and redirect or restart a defensive end by having his hands up constantly and having his feet underneath him. Okay, because I did notice that a few times last year with the hands, and that's why I wanted to see whether or not it all attached, and I assumed it did. Yeah, great uh, question. Yeah, thank you very much. And my next thing, I, I just have uh, two more things real quick. One, um, I know you guys just touched on, you know, the OBJ contract, whether it gets done, whether it doesn't get done right away or whatever. Now, if it gets done right away, let's say, and, I don't know, the next couple of weeks, which I don't think it will, but hopefully it does. Does that, the way it's structured, does that go towards, uh, will we be getting some money towards our cap this year? And if it doesn't get structured until the beginning of the season, does that go towards the cap next year? That's my uh, right. first question. I'm going to answer this as simple as yeah. I can because it's very complicated. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. The Giants have two ways they can do this. They can give Odell Beckham Jr. an extension because he's got one year left on his deal. That is 2018. Yep. The option. So yep. they can give him an extension with a signing bonus that's going to be prorated and will cost money on this year's cap. Yep. But they also have another way they can go here. They can rip up his 2018 contract yep. and give him a brand new deal. Now, right. whatever bonus money was prorated and still left on this year's cap is going to stay there. Yep. And then whatever gets prorated off the new deal That's 19. is then going to be in 19 and then forward. Yep. But he will then also have to have a new base for 2018. Yep. They could lower his base with that kind of deal. Because he'd be getting the guaranteed money this year and the following year Correct. plus. Yep. Correct. So it, it, it can get tricky, but they are two different styles of contract. Yeah. 
Okay, gotcha. I gotcha. All right. Now, my last thing, and I'm sorry to keep you. Um, as far as, and you know what, a lot of people overlook this position, and I don't. And that is, last year, I think, Herzlick was the backup snapper. Am I correct? He is, capable as, uh, of long, he is capable of yes. long snapping if they need him to. Uh, uh, Jones is a long snapper, too. Correct. And okay. uh, there's somebody else, too, as well, I think, that can snap. I believe Jalapio. There's also, one more, I think, yeah. I think he can also yep. long snap. Okay, and, and Mark is obviously fighting for a position, you yeah. know, as everybody is at this point. And, you know, and uh, I think he filled in for Zach last year. Uh, when you got injured. Yes. Uh, I'm not really sure. Yes, yes, but, you're correct. Um, you know, I was just wondering, you know, that to me is an important position and whether or not, I mean, Mark is hanging by a hangnail right now, you know, um, because he's pretty good on special teams and he is pretty good at, uh, you know, as far as stuff in the run and short yardage kind of plays. So I was just wondering, you know, as far as the depth part goes, um, would he have the upper hand on these younger guys, or is it time for somebody else and it's time for us to move on? And I'll take it off the air, guys. Thank you. I Thank mean, that's, you. That's definitely something that you factor in and you think about when you're looking at a player is versatility, not only either on offense or defense, but what they can do for you on special teams. But having said that, with the competition that they're having on all positions, let alone on the defensive side of the ball, I think that there would be a center somewhere that's already playing a position that can do the snapping right. to where you're not just holding on to somebody because of the long snapping position. I mean, I think that Zach Diassi is the only, outside of the kicker and the punter, the only exclusive special teams guy that they can afford to keep. Yeah. You just don't have the luxury no. of keeping Mark Herzlick to say he's the backup long snapper no. as well. That's not going to work. Uh, I will say this, behind Goodson and Ogletree, Right now, the Giants need to figure out who the next guy on the inside is because Goodson has not been the most reliable to stay on the field. No, that's one thing that's hurt him throughout his you career know? is injuries. And so maybe you're looking at Mark Herzlick against Calvin Munson, both mm -hmm. special teamers, both play inside. They may be fighting for one spot. They may, yep. You know. Jason, you're on line three from Denmark, and thank you for calling. Hello. Hi. Hello. Yes, Jason. sir. Jason? Oh, cool, cool. Please, yes, go right ahead. Sorry. Hey, this, I love the show today. It's like an extended version of Dots and Deal. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you. I like it. Thanks, Jason. We appreciate What's up, that. Buddy? Hey, uh, my question, I, I asked this question to um, uh, Lance and Dots the other day, uh, a few weeks back, about Odell Beckham. And I believe after uh, seeing this press conference today, the way he talked about himself, the way he talked about his teammates, the way he was able to analyze some of the different uh, positions and so on, I really think, and because you're on, I'm asking it again, Mr. Deal, if you were still in the locker room, would you petition for this young man to be a captain, to give him a little more responsibility and uh, make him think about... Jason? I think he's gone. Let me refer oh, to his call. Are oh, oh, you still there? Hello? Yeah, He's cutting in and out still a here, little. Yeah, well, we're, we're losing you, Jason, so I, I don't want to let right. you go, but just if you could possibly listen online, yeah. we would like to answer the question. He called us a few weeks ago, and his point was, if you impose the captaincy on Beckham, doesn't that force him to step up and be the guy you want him to be? 
I, I think that's something that he's stepping up and doing himself, regardless of whether he gets to see on his chest or not, because he knows the magnitude of where he's at in his career, what he's doing, who he's playing for, and I think learning from everybody's mistakes as a young player in the NFL, I think the way that he's approached this entire offseason has showed his signs and his commitment to this football team. What was the first thing that Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer talked about when they took over and they talked about Odell Beckham? Is getting that trust, making sure they earn that and they have it respectfully both ways. There's been clear communication on all sides, whether it was during the offseason when he was here, whether it was with Ronnie Barnes when he was in California doing rehab, when he was here for some of the OTAs, he was here for the minicamp, and just the energy that he brings day in and day out as a football player who competes day in and day out, but the energy that he brings out of his teammates. That's something that you can't duplicate. And I think everybody is looking for him to take that next step in who he is as a football player and the way that he handles and and channels that passion and desire that he has as a player. But what I think just putting a C on his chest, that's just going to do it. That doesn't do it to anybody. I think if you talk to anybody in their life, if you want to do something, you have to yourself firmly believe and make the decision to change. If you don't, people are talking in one ear and it's going out the other. You firmly have to do it yourself, regardless of what title somebody puts on. I will say this, and David, as a former player who's still in the locker room, I think you would agree with me. Everyone in that locker room respects his preparation, his dedication to winning, his dedication to his craft, his hatred for losing, his competitiveness. Those are all things that, that I believe his teammates look up to him for anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Okay. Thanks Anything time, else, time. Jason? No, nah, that was it for today. Uh, but okay. uh, good show again, and I'll uh, keep listening. Thanks, Jason. Thank Have you a so great much. One. And uh, don't forget, Dots and Deal on Yeah, Facebook. see, there it is. <laughs> little name drop, a little pitch. We go to Len from Columbia on line two. Hello. Hey, guys. How you doing? Great. Wonderful. What's up, Len? Yeah. Hey, David. It's been a while. Glad you're back. Thank Glad you. You're back. I never left. <laughs> there you go. Um, Lee, I'm going to talk a little special teams, if we can. Um, but I want to start off with kind of a personal idea that I have about uh, the Giants scoring points. And here, here's my general rule of thumb. I, I like to see us put points on the board, or average putting points on the board, half the time of our possessions. In other words, if we get 10 possessions a game, I want to put points on the board at least five times. If we have 11 possessions, six times, 12 possessions, six times, so five or six scores. To do that, um, you know, we're going to need a reliable place kicker. Now, you guys see practice every day. I just saw one, and I didn't see any place kicking taking place. What what are your impressions of the – you know, field goal, you know, kicking field goals and Rosas. Um, Rosas. Are we comfortable with this guy? What? Len, Rosas is mentally in a better place. I've chatted with him. You know, his, his young child is now almost a year old. Uh, he is he is much more mature. He's much more uh, settled and much more competent in himself. Coach Shermer said the other day, throughout the offseason, he has improved his mechanics, and they want him to continue to do that so that when he does get into these preseason games, he is kicking efficiently. But, again, that's the big test. Let's see yeah. how he does in the games. And one yeah. of the things yeah. that a lot of people don't really talk about or think about when it comes to that position Regardless of age, you may be a veteran, you may be a younger guy. A lot of that mental aspect, the mental toughness that you have to have, relies 
on teams winning games and the offense putting up points for yeah. a young player kicking and going out there for a first season to have all that pressure that each and every time you got to oh, yeah. you got to do yeah, it. Yeah. it it puts a okay. lot on a young player and it messes with their head regardless of how strong their leg is you're running out there instead of just hey we're putting another one on the board you're confident in what the offense and the defense is doing you're running out there saying crap if i don't make this we're in a different position than we were going to be in for the rest of this game and moving forward for the season. So I think a lot of it when it comes to a young player at any position, let alone the importance of having a great offense for a kicker. Let, let me add yeah, something yeah. to I'm, this. I'm, I'm let, with you on that. Let, I mean, no question. But eventually, as Paul was alluding to, um, I, I mean, the guy's got to make those kicks. No doubt. Well, sure. Yeah. No, sure. I mean, there, is a point, there is a point where you say, okay, the young kicker, you know, looks good in practice. He's got good mechanics. But, you know, we got to put points on the board. I, let, Ask let, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their draft pick they, they just got rid of yeah. last year. Let, let's make yeah. one thing perfectly clear, though, okay? If, yeah. if, in theory, you're supposed to learn from experience and learn from your mistakes, well, wasn't it better for the Giants to have a kicker go through those growing pains during a season in which he did not cost them a oh, playoff yeah. spot? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Now, one other question, and Paul, you've probably watched him. Again, you've watched him closely, um, and David also. Is he getting the ball up in the air? Yeah. yeah I mean, he, there was a lot of line driving. Uh, you know? he, I mean, he's doing a much better job of getting lift and that lift out of the ball right from the start. That's something that he's focused good. on. So, yeah. All right. That's that's good to hear. Who's the who's the holder? Is there a number one holder? Do you know what? I'm going to tell you something. To be honest with you, Len, I've really not paid I attention noticed. to this training camp at the holder. I haven't noticed. I have, I have uh, yeah. not taken note <laughs> okay. one time right, as I to have, who well, the holder I've was. The, I've only seen the one practice, but I didn't see them working on, uh, you know, field goals. Uh, place Let me say this. Let so me say I this. I was just wondering who the new holder I, is. I do, <laughs> I, I, do, I do think as memory serves by the way that they break up practice and when the guys are off to the side, I do think it is Riley Dixon, the punter. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that is, it has been Dixon. Now, I think Dixon. Dixon. He's, the, he's the only – He's the only. I wonder if he held in Denver. But, okay, that's, that's – well, uh, that's, that's, I, I just thought of that question. Well, it's, a, it's the first time he, I've ever been asked that I mean, question. This guy, he's a major league kicker, isn't This guy Dixon. I mean, this guy's a major league kicker. Well, he's been with the Broncos a couple of years, yeah. and yeah. the Giants got him for a conditional seven. Okay. Let me – let's uh, – what – He's the only punter on the team, so it's likely yes. that he's going to be the guy. Uh, at this injury. point, it would look that he way. He is the guy. He's the only punter on the yeah. team. Yeah, right. Uh, why, how about kick returns? You know well, what? Do you see anything, anybody emerging? Someone's going to have to, but David and I can tell you from watching practice, they've had guys returning punts now. There's been yeah. Beckham. There's been Shepard. There's yep. been Sharp. There's been Raymond. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, a bunch of guys. Latimer. There's Latimer, been a yeah. bunch of guys yeah. back there. Okay. So, right. who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, that's that's what the preseason's for. We'll Kick see who's the number, one, yeah. the number one guy. But that will go a long way in determining whether or not you're going to make a roster. For example, if it's if it's a guy like Raymond, it, it could, could we label him as kind of, if there was a backup to the slot position, is, is Raymond... Is Raymond the guy who seems to be, you know, God forbid, well, Shepard goes out for a couple of plays. Let's not say injury. Shepard goes out for a couple of plays. Is Raymond the kind of guy who can play that slot position? He probably could, but here's what I'd be worried about. Last year when he was with the Giants and he was up, he had some yes. trouble holding out to the yeah. ball. 
Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. and and you know he's he's done a good job with it in camp, but got to do it in the games yeah. before yeah. I start yeah. to feel really good. You know, one of the players that's made some big plays in training camp, but we also know the way that he's been able to also through his career play on special teams is Russell Shepard. Yeah, he's been yeah, making oh, yeah. some plays out there, and he is a tremendous special teams player. Not the as one, a return guy, though. Not as a return guy. I'm just talking about yeah. pure special teams. Yeah. And the lo- thing that I love about him, he's fearless. He'll go hit anything. Yes, he is. All right, now something because Stain. Len, Len, we got to get somebody else. Len, we we come on, okay. my man. We're running out of time. Talk to you later. Thanks, All right, Len. Len. Take care. Bye. Quickly, we we'll go back to Giants chat for the final comments of the day offline. Uh, let's see here. We see uh, fan cred wants to know: Is Eli Manning really a future Pro Football Hall of Fame inductee? The Super Bowl titles say one thing, but the stats may say another. Hey, fan cred, look at my. Last post, I think I posted uh, over the weekend, Did I think you? Friday or Saturday. Uh, look at Eli Manning's stats and numbers, and uh, you'll completely change what you just wrote. Yeah, I, I, to me, and I've said this a thousand times, he's a no-brainer. Yes. You know, I'd put him in first ballot too, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, A.J. Marshall says, what does David Deal expect for the Giants' defense this season? It was tough last year. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> was tough. The thing that I want to see is just a built of, of – uh, of confidence in a group, but like I was talking about, an attacking, swarming defense that plays together, not individually, that plays together and, and cohesive. And that's the thing that I really love about James Betcher's system because, yeah, you can be the guy coming downhill, but you know that there's a responsibility from you coming downhill that is going to dictate how well the guy next to you plays. If you have to blitz in a certain gap, if you don't hit that gap, you're going to put your teammates and your defense in a bind because it can make the difference between a big play for the defense or a big play for the offense. So having that built accountability in one another is something that I'm excited to see, and it's continuing to grow throughout training camp. That teamwork, that chemistry, yep. that gelling, understanding that the guy on my left and the guy on my right are in this with me at the same time. Uh, I love it. I, I love too. it. David, great to see you again. Always a pleasure. We're doing things all day together. Here we go. All right. Don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock on MSG, we will have Giants training camp live, recapping everything that happened here at practice today, as well as some features and highlights. And Big Blue Kickoff Live always comes your way on Giants.com Monday to Friday from 1 o'clock Eastern time till 2 o'clock, 201-939-4513. Jot down the number. We'll see you next time.